What do you know? We are back. Another season of First Draft is underway, which can mean only one thing. The 2023 NFL Draft is just around the corner. My name is Field Yates, and to be honest with you, my job for this show is really to just stay out of the way and make sure the train stays on the tracks because there are two people that you are much more excited to both see and hear from, those, of course, being the men who are the NFL Draft, and they really don't need an introduction, but we'll be kind and give each of them one left to right. Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Mel, it's so good to see you again. How is everything? How you been? Hey, it's going to be off the rails when we're involved. We know that. So it's not going to stay on the track. It'll be off the rails. It's going to be fun. The 2023 draft, I guess, begins today with the first draft podcast. And I guess, the, Todd, the Chicago Bears are on the clock, pal. They are. And are they going to trade out? What are they going to do with that pick? It's, it's going to be fascinating. We, we got Houston at number two. We know they need a quarterback. And after last year's quarterback class, I'm excited now. We got... Bryce Young, we've got C.J. Stroud, uh, Will Levis. We've got some quarterbacks that are going to go early in this year's draft. And we'll dive into all those quarterbacks and not necessarily get to our final conclusions on them because there's still a lot ahead of us. We've got pro days, individual workouts, the combine, all of the usual pre-draft events that take place. But we are going to talk about those four quarterbacks and more a little bit later on in the show. Just a couple of housekeeping reminders. We're going to be live every Wednesday for those that want to watch, either on Twitter or YouTube, all over basically every way that ESPN distributes various shows. So check us out there every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Then, of course, wherever you get your favorite podcast, the audio version will always be available. And we have so much that we're going to be diving into over the next few months. Prospects on the rise, prospects might be sliding, mock drafts and trades and everything in between. And both these guys mentioned the quarterbacks and also Mel mentioned how, as of right now, the Chicago Bears are on the clock. But before we can get to the quarterbacks and talk about sort of the themes of the 2020 23 NFL draft. You know, it wasn't long ago that we were watching Georgia dominate yet again, Todd McShay. So as you look back on that college football playoff that was, and I suppose the national championship wasn't much of a game, but what were your takeaways from the college football playoff, which featured four teams that have plenty of names that we're going to need to know for the 2023 NFL draft? My first takeaway was um, I'm shocked that I left the, the national championship game, got in an Uber, and went back to the hotel at halftime. I mean, it was, it was that big of a blowout. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, but secondly, going back to the semifinals, I was so impressed with C.J. Stroud. And, and the thing that I've been looking for and every NFL scout that I've talked to has been looking for from Stroud, use the mobility that you have. Get creative. Be a little bit more like Bryce Young where you're feeling the pressure. You're able to get outside the pocket. Use your feet as a weapon. He didn't do it for the majority of the last two years, but he did it in that game against Georgia. And the success he had against that exceptional defense really resonated with NFL scouts. And, and watching the tape, it showed a little bit of a different side from him. So that was a huge game in a huge moment right before he declares for the NFL draft. And that's only going to help him. The other thing is Quinton Johnson, the, uh, the wide receiver from, from TCU. Johnson was injured in the middle of the season, was not himself. He finally got healthy. And then down the stretch against Kansas State, I think it was four catches, for 139 yards. And then in the, the next game in the semifinal, six catches for 163 yards and a touchdown. But then, listen, it was pass protection, it was quarterback issues, it was everything else, but only one catch for three yards against Georgia. So mm. there's a lot to unravel with Quinton Johnston in terms of his last three games. Just big time in two of them, but against Georgia, he really got shut down. 
Yeah, Todd, to piggyback off what you said, uh, really, I thought the two best teams were Ohio State and Michigan, but they didn't get there. That's why you play the game. So the best teams don't always win. And for Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, like I said, it wasn't just pitch and catch. That's what you saw a lot because he had that offensive line, the great receiving core, three running backs, the tight end Stover came on. So it was like I say, pitch and catch. How would he be under duress? How would he have to be when he had to use that, his legs to beat a defense? And he did all that. So C.J. Stroud, certainly, even though he didn't beat Michigan, didn't win a national title. He certainly is a guy uh, that is moving up uh, to the point where it's, it's, a, it's a competition. It's Will Levis, Kentucky, it's Bryce Young, Alabama, and now it's C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Anthony Richardson at Florida. We're going to talk a lot about him during the draft process. To go back to the games themselves, think about what Michigan did early on in that game and the mistake that was made. You see the Ravens making a similar mistake. Down at, you, know, you think it's an automatic touchdown. It wasn't. You're giving it to a linebacker. You're asking a quarterback to try to sneak from two yards out. So for the Harbaugh brothers, yeah, basically wow. mistakes at the goal line cost Michigan, <clears throat> cost the Baltimore Ravens, kind of tied those two together there on that. Uh, for TCU, uh, it was a great run. And for Georgia, I said back, hey, if they can beat Ohio State, and I thought they were going to have to you know, you know, get in there and have to play Michigan, but didn't work out that way with Michigan, uh, you know, losing that game to TCU. So Georgia had an easier road, but for Kirby Smart to reload the way he did, losing all those great defensive players and Nolan Smith, guys, who was a heck of a linebacker to an injury, yet had this team Mm -hmm. beating Ohio State, dominating TCU. And a lot of people thought TCU could keep this close or maybe pull the upset. I think Kirby Smart, I said back a couple weeks ago, if he won a national title, it may be one of the best coaching jobs in the history of college football. Now, the path was easier. I don't think they should have beaten. If Marvin Harrison Jr. stays healthy that whole game, doesn't get hurt, they had similar luck last year, good fortune when Jamison Williams was hurt in the national championship game where Alabama beats Georgia. I think Ohio State beats Georgia if if Harrison's on the field the whole game. That didn't happen. So a lot of intrigue in the playoffs. Great semifinals and a terrible final because Georgia was that dominant. And the crazy part about Georgia was they just set the record a year ago for most players ever taken in a draft. Talk about reloading. That is the ultimate example of reloading. And oh, by the way, they are the consensus favorites to win the college football championship next year as well. Obviously, no team had won back-to-back national championships in the college football playoff era. Georgia looking to make it three in a row. So as we've gotten the college football playoff accounted for, as take a big step back, and these are the kind of things that are subject to change, but if someone walked up to either of you on the streets, which I'm sure happens frequently in your different places that you live, and says, hey, I can't wait for the 2023 NFL draft. Mel, what would you say are sort of the theme? What would you say, like if I were to say fill in the blank, the 2023 NFL draft will be defined by what? It's the quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, there's no other way to go. And, uh, you know, Bryce Young from Alabama, the great processor, you know, so uh, good, much accuracy thrown to football, that, that magical way he goes about his business as that true point guard, drawing comparisons to Steph Curry. So uh, with the way he, he goes about his business. But the size, and we talk about outliers, and we talk about Russell Wilson, what he did as a third-round pick for, say, a Kyler Murray who went number one overall with the height not being a factor any longer. Well, we're not worrying about 5'11". We're worrying about what Bryce Young is, about 180, 185. Mm. That size, you know, that stature, lack of, can he hold up physically in the NFL? So I think that's going to be something we'll debate through the process. Will Levis was banged up all year at Kentucky, just about all year, with foot, ankle, shoulder, all those issues. An offensive line that was horrific. A running back that wasn't there the first four games. A receiving core loss with Wandale Robinson to the NFL. Will Levis, to me... I think this is what's going to happen, Todd. Kind of the old guard 
is going to mm-hmm. be, which I'm part of, Todd, is, is Will Levis. I know. And I've said that from back in September. Yep. I'm Will Levis. The, the analytics, the young guys and all that are going to be on Bryce Young. Mm. So I just – and I'm going to wait. I'm waiting this out, Todd. There's no rush to judgment here for me. The pro days, I've always said, are a waste of time. I think Bryce Young's pro day is going to be important just to see what he looks like on that field throwing the football. You know, to say, hey, you're, you're, you're short, you're not small. Bryce Young is, what, 5'11", and he's only about 180, 185. That's going to be something that everybody's going to have to factor in because we've never had that for the NFL draft, a quarterback this size being talked about as maybe the number one pick overall. Listen, I hear you. And and I was in Tuscaloosa in October and covered his game against uh, Mississippi State, and he said he's up to 196, and he plans to be over 200 by, by the pro day in the combine. He, he's a slender frame guy. I get it. Like, if you're going to talk about a negative with Bryce Young, it's his size. Can he hold up in the NFL? Is it going to be like Tua Tungavailoa where you're always worried, is he going to be there at the end of the season? I get that. But this dude is special. He, uh, Bryce Young is so different than any other quarterback I've seen. And I listen, Will Levis, from his character, his toughness, his, his sturdy build, his mobility, his arm strength, he has everything that you look for as an old guard evaluator. As a new guard, new guard evaluator, and I know I'm 45, uh, but I'm still the young guy in this equation, right? I see Tua as, as the next generation type of guy. He, he loves the game. He has such passion for it. He is such a great teammate. He's intelligent. He processes quickly. But the important thing with his game is the ability to feel pressure, understand where it's coming from, and to just deal with it. You see, Steph Curry's perfect. I, I was sitting in the in the game day bus with Kirk Herbstreit, and we were talking about like he is Steph Curry of college football and will be in the NFL. Throw out the measurables. He's just going to find a way to avoid contact and always be able to, to, to create and make that play that most quarterbacks can't. That's why I have Bryce Young as the number one quarterback. I've got Levis as number three. I have C.J. Stroud from Ohio State at number two. And Anthony Richardson, the most talented quarterback in the group, but the least prepared of all these quarterbacks, at number four. Okay, so by the way, for those that maybe are asking, hey, how could Bryce Young's size be a detriment to him going number one overall when just a few years ago Kyler Murray went number one overall? I think we all hear you. Kyler is not the tallest guy, but Tyler is thick, sort of a barrel-chested quarterback. And obviously his ACL injury this year, notwithstanding, has for the most part held up pretty well in the NFL because of his thicker stature and also the fact that he can evade much of the pressure that is bearing down on him. Certainly wishing for the best for Kyler Murray. New GM, by the way, in Arizona. First year we were talking about Monty Austin Mm -hmm. number three overall pick currently headed to the guards. Let's kind of look at pros and cons. I think we've already covered it for Bryce Young, but of these four quarterbacks, because it does feel like the theme of this draft after a class last year that was underwhelming at the quarterback spot is the quarterback. So I'll go to you first, Mel, on number two, who at least according to Todd's ranking, C.J. Stroud. You know, let's go with Will Levis because you love Will. So I'll let you have the make the, the case. What are the reasons you should love Will Levis, and what are the areas that currently are causes for concern? Well, I think when you look at Will, as Todd said, physically, uh, you can draw up an NFL quarterback. He's that guy for the size, the stature, the arm, the way he spins it, make every throw, the toughness, the ability to beat you with his legs. He is a running dual threat quarterback. 
the fact that he dealt with adversity. It wasn't easy at Kentucky. It wasn't pitch and catch. He didn't have the elite offensive line this year. He had it as a junior, good line. Remember, Fortner, the center, heck of a yeah. job in Jacksonville, right? Anchor in that line, he was the center at Kentucky. Kennard had been there, it seemed like, forever. That offensive line was outstanding when he was in 2022. 2023, terrible offensive line. No Wandale Robinson, no Chris Rodriguez the first four games. And he was beat up. How he got on the field, I don't know. How he finished the year, I don't know. And then even playing the bowl game because he was beat up and he had to get ready for the NFL draft process. He was with that team. He was in those coaching meetings. He was with those quarterbacks. He was another coach. This guy is passionate about the game, loves the game. Now you talk turnovers, right? Well, we heard that about you know, other quarterbacks along the way. Once he even got into the NFL, they turn it over. You, that's something when you're tr- you got to try to make a play. You're Kentucky, okay? You're trying to make plays. You're in Tennessee, you know, down in Knoxville. You got your behind. You got to make plays. You, you know, what's the difference? You lose by 10 and 15, 20, or lose by 40. The bottom line is you got to try to get your team down the field and get touchdowns. And the thing that impressed me, there was one play this year, Mississippi State with Emmanuel Forbes. Picks off a pass, a little bubble screen, steps in front, anticipates it, steps in front, touchdown. Pick six, right? Next drive, Will Levis comes right out. And Ernie, of course, he always said, great quarterbacks, short memory. You mm. throw a couple picks, you got to forget about it. You cannot bother you the rest of that game. How did he react to that? Next drive, seconds later, he's back on the field, right down the field. Boom, 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 boom. Pass, pass. Just like Josh Allen this past week. Yeah, fumble, touchdown. Miami's up 24-20. How do you react? You get the turnover and you take him down, touchdown pass to Beasley, then another touchdown pass. Great quarterbacks have that element and it's all mental. Will Levis had that, showed me that against Mississippi State. I think it's going to be either he or Bryce Young for me. I not, have not yet made that final call. I'm going to wait out. Todd mentioned to wait for Bryce Young. Can, what, what's he going to be when the season begins? And what, as you move forward, can you maintain that weight? Mm. And it's important. And then certainly the arm strength. He doesn't have the howitzer. He doesn't have the tremendous explosive speed. But he has everything else. So Bryce Young, Will Levis to me are battling it out to see who's going to be the first pick in the draft. With, with Will Levis, the one thing that concerns, concerns me, and yes, he is mobile, and I, and I love – he plays the, the quarterback position like a linebacker, and I love that to a certain extent. But the one thing is, does he see the whole field? There are a lot of plays on tape where, you know, you watch from behind, and you've got the, the sideline view, and then you've got the end zone view, right? A lot of plays where you see his head dip down when pressure's coming. And it's great to have mobility, and you need it in today's NFL. But if you're not feeling pressure and you're not comfortable sliding if the, the pressure is coming from the inside or climbing when the pressure is coming from the outside, then the mobility kind of gets erased a little bit. And that part concerns me. And every scout I've talked to on the road, I did two games live with him. Every scout is saying, does he see it? Does he see the whole field? When he's stuck inside that pocket, when things start to collapse around him, what happens? And again, I don't want to make this a thing where I don't like Will Levis. I absolutely love him. I love his character. Everyone I've talked to in Kentucky, like he's the mayor of, of Kentucky. He absolutely has the character, the toughness. He wants to be in every game, every play. But again, I talked to one general manager and said, I see a lot of Josh Allen in him. And five days later, I talked to another general manager who said, you know, I'm just worried that we're getting Carson Wentz, where the turnovers, because he doesn't see the whole field, and because he plays quarterback like a linebacker, is he going to stay healthy? And it, 
Anthony Richardson from Florida is the most polarizing quarterback in this class, but the second most polarizing player to me is, is Will Levis, just talking to people inside the league. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the Josh Allison, Josh Allen comparison, Todd, because I think it goes beyond some of the stuff that you guys have already mentioned, the size and the strong arm. You know, Kentucky is – they've been outstanding under Mark Stoops, but not as much of a traditional SEC powerhouse, but certainly above a level of Wyoming. You think about Josh Allen's second-to-last year at Wyoming. He had offensive linemen that would go on to play in the NFL. He had pass catchers, the Hollister mm-hmm. twins, and Tanner Gentry, who are all really good players at Wyoming. His final year there, when the statistical regression really hit, was when he was throwing to guys who were not bound to play in the NFL, even if they didn't become Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill at the pro level. And it feels like that's part of the the, the comparison as well. I I will just tell people listening Mm -hmm. that haven't already heard that comparison, get used to it, hearing it fairly or unfairly a lot over the next three months. Now let's get to your number two quarterback, Todd. C.J. Stroud from Ohio State declared for the draft just a couple of days ago. Guy had an awesome season again this year. What are the pros and, sh- pros and cons of his game? Well, the pros are that he just – he layers the ball perfectly. I mean, he, yes, he's had, you know, first-round draft picks at wide receiver the last couple of years, and he certainly benefits from the fact that he's got guys around him that, that are going to play at a high level in the NFL. But the way he throws the ball from inside the pocket, short, intermediate, deep, it doesn't matter. The touch, the timing, the ball placement, it's exactly what you want to see. And and sometimes it's it's so beautiful that if you put together a highlight reel of his best 10 passes, it's better than any other quarterback in this class. The knock on him has always been, why isn't he using his mobility? He's a good athlete. But when pressure comes, there seems to be a little bit of a panic. But then against Georgia, it was like someone got in his ear. Maybe Ryan Day, the coaching staff, and said, listen, we need you to use those legs, to use the mobility that you have. If we're going to have any chance against a pass rush that's going to be on you all day. And he accepted the challenge. And that that take is going to be huge for C.J. Stroud. Because everyone was kind of getting, I mean, I talked to guys in the league all season long, on the road, going to games, talking to scouts, talking to general managers. Everyone said the same thing. He's got to be able to create more like Bryce Young creates. And he didn't. But he did against the best team they faced all year, the best team in the country in Georgia. And that kind of changes the narrative a little bit and say, say like, all right, now he can do it. And if we can push him to be a little bit more creative and innovative and mobile and, and create beyond the initial play, we have a special talent here. So I personally think it's Bryce Young, then C.J. Stroud, then you get into Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson after that. Yeah, I think Stroud, the made of the Georgia game, you know, I wouldn't say made him a lot of money, but I think it defined him as one of the elite quarterbacks when there were questions about, well, he's got the talent around him. Will Levis didn't. Okay, so I think from an NFL standpoint, you have to deal with adversity. It doesn't come easy in the National Football League. I think for Ohio State, the Northwestern game, the weather was ridiculous. So you throw that game out for C.J. Stroud. That's not even part of the evaluation process at all. I think this Georgia game, though, was huge. And to have that kind of pressure on hand, they were the underdog. They were six-and-a-half-point underdog. And they went out there, and they went toe-to-toe. They really should have won the football game. And he didn't have Marvin Harrison. Keep in mind, Jackson Smith and Jigba did nothing this year. Yep. So he didn't have one of his key weapons as well. We're talking about having Harrison, Abuka, and Flynn. Fleming and Stover, but he didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigma, yet he still went out there and put up huge numbers and played consistent football all year. So for me, C.J. Stroud put himself in the discussion with Bryce Young and Will Levis. Now, we're acting like Levis is being pushed down. He's not. 
There is mixed opinion on Levis for obvious reasons. Todd touched on that. But I always look at quarterbacks. It's not who you are. It's who you will be. Everybody sees college mm-hmm. football. We watch it every Saturday. We can see who's looking good, who isn't, who's having some struggles, who's looking like he's just on fire each week. But it's not who you are in college. It's who you will project to be in the NFL. Good friend of mine, Vinny Serrato, former GM of the NFL. What do you always say, Todd? You have coach before your name for a reason. Coach Dayball. <laughs> coach Dayball really helped Josh Allen. Coach Dayball really helped Daniel Jones. Coaches around the league, they're, a no lot of, they're not all A-pluses. They're not all A-plus coaches, Todd. They're not, okay? You have some great coaches, some good coaches, some not-so-great coaches. So, again, some guys think, oh, give me a guy. I want a guy that's a finished product. Well, then you shouldn't be coaching because in the NFL, it's college. <clears throat> college, a lot of those guys, I call them AOGs, Todd. You're playing against another occupation, guys. That's what you're playing against. That's yeah. why preseason in the NFL doesn't mean a heck of a lot. Some of those guys have great preseasons. They're on the final cut list because they were playing against AOGs. So, again, college isn't the NFL. It's not who you are. It's who you will be. And, and I don't think any player in the entire draft, regardless of position, defines that more than Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, Mel, because mm-hmm. uh, this guy at his very best, as Todd has already alluded to, is – I don't even know how to describe him. He's like a cyborg on the football field. Some were surprised he declared, though, after an up-and-down final season with the Gators. This might take the rest of the show, but how would you sort of describe in short form what Anthony Richardson brings to the table for better and worse right now? This was a, a crazy ride, and I think back to that September 3rd Utah game. Utah is a, what, a field goal favorite. It's at the swamp. You know, Utes come in. There's Anthony Richardson. Didn't do a lot, but flashed. You saw some brilliance with him you know, the previous year. Emory Jones was there. He moved on. Now it's Anthony Richardson's team. He goes out there and single-handedly, he led the Gators to that upset over the Utes. I mean, he was incredible. He had over 100 yards rushing. I believe he had three rushing touchdowns in that game. Completed, I believe, like 71%, 74% of his passes against that Utah defense. Everything he did turned to gold. I mean, it was amazing. That was like Anthony Richardson first game out of the blocks. When you don't have preseason games in college football, Anthony Richardson was on fire from the start to the finish against Utah. A really good, well-coached football team, right? So you figure, boy, I think he's got a chance to be the number one pick overall. Heck with all this talk about, you know, second round, maybe late first. He could be in the discussion to be the number one pick. Next week, I think they were playing Kentucky. And you think, okay, he's going to build on that. You know, he may won't be as good, but you'll see him keep, you know, showing that kind of, I think it was at 40%, you know, interception. He didn't do anything with his legs. They were able to defend him, Kentucky was, and, and really frustrate him. He, he went from being this A-plus quarterback to this quarterback say, boy, now we see there's going to be, this is going to be polarizing. This is going to be frustrating. This is going to be difficult, the evaluation process with Anthony Richardson, because you see the talent. You see the ability to run and, and destroy defenses with his legs. You see the big-time arm strength, but you see layups that he's missing. He, he's going to the left. He's bouncing throws, bubble screens, not on the target. You know, coaching is going to be critical for him, Todd. I understand he, he, you'd like to see you back for another year. He's coming out. I think the hope is go to a team that can let him sit for a little bit. He is not going to be ready. We see Malik Willis in Tennessee, not ready. We knew that. Malik Willis wasn't going to be ready. Kenny Pickett was going to be more ready. Yeah. Uh, this is a quarterback needs time. A year, two years, maybe not Jordan Love time, the way it's worked out in <laughs> Green Bay. Maybe this will be finally the year for Jordan Love. But it's going to take some time for Anthony. The talent's in abundance. But he needs work 
on being accurate throwing the football and seeing the field, making good decisions. All that is something Anthony Richardson really needs. Would have been loved to see him another year at Florida, but that's not going to happen. Game day. And every, every discussion was maybe he's the Heisman. Maybe he's the number one overall pick. So I chose to go down to that game, Kentucky, Florida. And I, what I saw was a Mike Stoops defense that had a great game plan and a defense that bought into the game plan, gap discipline. They didn't allow him to run. If you're going to beat us, beat us in the pocket, throwing the football, and we're going to give you a lot of different looks. Now, here's what I know about Anthony Richardson. 6'4", 220 plus, howitzer for an arm, one of the best runners that, that will have in, the best runner in this draft class, and will immediately in the NFL be one of the top five mobile quarterbacks. What's wrong? He, he has the intelligence. It, it's like he just hasn't translated it yet. He hasn't figured it all out. And when I talk to more people in Florida, here's what I keep getting. Does he have the dog in him? Is he, is he a guy who's like, not on my watch, like not today. This, I'm carrying this team, it's over, we're gonna win this game. They haven't seen that from him. And so he's gonna have to mature in the NFL and hopefully he goes to a team where there is a, a veteran quarterback who has get, kind of that dog in him and can show him like what it takes preparation-wise, toughness-wise, and just the, the ability to drown everything else out and be the guy when your team needs him. And that's, that's really the question. I've talked to some teams, they have him at number three. One team has him at number three ahead of Will Levis. I've talked to another team who has him as a second, second, third round grade. So he is the most polarizing player in this entire draft class. It's going to be fascinating to see. He's a great young man. Like I said, he's so intelligent. I think he's going to figure it out, but he definitely is going to need some time. And Todd, that's the interesting, I don't want to put you on the spot with a specific team. But you look at the landscape for the NFL right now. Coaches are getting fired after 15 games. GMs are getting one or two years or three years. Like a GM or a head coach lasting four-plus years, not named like Belichick or Tomlin or Reed. That's like an eternity in the NFL now. So does Anthony Richardson sort of present a quandary? If he is this kind of prospect, like what team is capable of using maybe a late first-round pick and not what team specifically, but like, are, are there really that many teams that can afford to do so? I mean, Brian Gunekitz has been one of the best GMs in the NFL since he took over in Green Bay. And all we ever talk about is the fact that he used a first-round pick on Jordan Love. Like, it becomes a stain on your resume. Are we in the climate where you can afford to take a first-round pick on a quarterback who might not play or give you the football you need from him for like two years maybe? I think absolutely, because the upside is you're getting a Josh Allen type. So I, I want to gamble, but I need to gamble if I know in my organization I have a good quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator that can actually develop. Yeah. You know, like Dayball with the, with the Giants. If I know that I have that kind of guy, then I'm absolutely using a first-round pick and say, you know what, maybe it's, not, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not even next year. Maybe it's 2025 before we wind up putting him on the field. But when we do, if we develop him properly, we could be the Buffalo Bills. Wow. Yeah, that's really the mindset that I would have. And if you're picking late in the first, yeah, it would be great to get a defensive end or a cornerback or a wide receiver. But if I'm looking at the future of the organization, I would absolutely use a, a late first-round pick if I thought I had the people in place 
to develop him properly. A lot of tr- a lot of picks in the first round have already been traded, by the way. So there are some teams that are either, mm-hmm. either higher on the board, like Seattle, a team that made the playoffs, or lower on the board, like Denver Broncos, who, of course, did not make the playoffs but have a first-round pick via the 49ers, who could be in a different spot than a team that's normally picking 27th, 28th, maybe even 31st overall. Uh, so quarterbacks, again, maybe the theme of the draft, really the theme of the draft this year. And we went through just four of them. We'll talk about plenty of others. Think about some of the quarterbacks that made a mark this season. Brock Purdy still doing things at a high level for the 49ers. Skylar Thompson started the playoff game. Bailey Zip and Zappy, a first draft favorite last year, who was really good when he was called upon to fill in for Mac Jones for a few games for the Patriots. One thing we haven't talked about yet, though, and I would offer as a potential theme, Mel, is after the past couple of years, we've had wide receiver-rich drafts. It doesn't feel like right now, and you can certainly tell me I'm wrong, like we have the same number of marquee wideouts at the top of the board this year as we have over the past couple. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out because I still believe in Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't think you hold a year where he had a hamstring and didn't produce because of it. Wasn't even on field to produce. So the hamstring was there. End of the year, still bother him. You can't risk that. Uh, you know, you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba, the great year he had in 2021. What a year he had. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, this kid showed as a slack guy he could be phenomenal. And now what do you do? How far does he fall in the first round? Where does he end up? Okay. Zay Flowers is a kid at Boston College. And, Todd, I think we both like him. I love the kid. I mean, you talk about a BC. They had the quarterback injury. They had the offensive line injuries. You're a Boston guy, Todd. Zay Flowers could have left this program. Everybody's transferring, hitting the portal. He could have gone, you know, Look, look at Jordan Addison left Pitt to go to USC, right? Yeah. Zay Flowers stayed at Boston College, and unfortunately, let's like say their quarterback injured, the offensive line injuries even began in August, right? And continued through the year. This is a kid who is electric with the ball in his hands. He's tough. He's quick. He's lightning quick. He's got hands. He, to me, when I think about receivers in this draft, I could put him number one and feel like, hey, I'm, if I took him as the first receiver off the board, I'd feel pretty doggone good that I'm getting a, a dynamic player. Now, people might say, hey, the mock draft didn't have that. How can anybody? I would say Zay Flowers, to me, I don't think there's a better pure receiver, dynamic performer that will help an offense right away than Zay Flowers from Boston College. Yeah, I, I went to BC's practice in, in August before the season started, and Jeff Halfley, uh, he just couldn't stop raving about his energy and what he brings to the team and how it's just like the energizer bunny is what he said. It's a constant. And he wants to play outside. He wants to play in the slot. He wants to do everything. And he did. And everyone in the, in the arena knows that he's the guy they're going to. And he's still putting up big numbers. He had that huge night against Clemson, remember, in that big game. So I love Zay Flowers. Listen, in this wide receiver class, there's Quinton Johnson, who has all the measurables, 6'4", pterodactyl, long arms, 215 pounds, twitchy after the catch. He's unique. If any receiver goes in the top 10, it's going to be Quentin Johnson out of TCU. After that, there's a little bit of a dip. Jordan Addison, I love his game. He's undersized. I'm not saying he's Marvin Harrison, but he's kind of like built in that mold where he can track the ball vertically. He's such a smooth route runner. He knows how to get open, and he's going to consistently be a big-time playmaker, but he's not the 6'2", 6'3", kind of guy. And then Zay Flowers, to me, is probably number three in terms of the wide receivers. And, and there are some other really good, talented wide receivers, too. But it's not, you know, it's not the Jamar Chase class. It's not the classes that we've seen in recent years. 
But there is good talent, and there's a lot of depth when you get into the second and third rounds. Can't wait to dive into plenty yeah, more think, names. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Mel. Sorry about that. Yeah, and, and really, Josh Downs at North Carolina. We got Drake May, of course. Yep. We're going to be talking a lot about Drake May, North Carolina, Ooh, Caleb Williams, boy. USC, battling it out to be the number one pick in the draft in 2024. That's a story for another day. But Josh Downs, outstanding player. And I think when you look at Charlie Jones at Iowa, he was a return man. He had catches. But, hey, he goes to Purdue, and he shines. And Charlie Jones, they knew they had to contain him. Defenses knew what they had to do. And Charlie Jones will battle for the football. Contested grabs go his way. I'm going to see, see what he runs to the cut. That's a guy I want to see what Charlie Jones runs at the combine and how he tests out because there's a kid productive as heck this year. How about Rasheed Rice, too, from SMU, Mel? Rush, yeah, another productive player. So the combine's going to be big for some of these guys to see actually how fast they are. Looking forward mm-hmm. to being back in Indy, by the way. Another year of the combine in Indianapolis. who just does an amazing Kyber, job. Are you coming to Indy this year or what? I'll be watching you, pal. <laughs> All right, well, Todd and I will hold down the Ford in Indy. Plenty of shrimp cocktail for us. Of course, uh, always a must at St. Elmo's. Uh, Every year, we or every week, we're going to try to give you some players that we maybe you're not going to hear about otherwise. Guys who are kind of flying under the radar. And at this portion of the pre-draft process, like there are a lot of names that you're maybe not as familiar with. Mel, I'll start with you. Who is a cornerback that maybe people aren't talking about enough but should be talking about more? Hey, McShay, where do we put that fence around? Where do we put that fence? I like that fence around the Maryland Right area. around Maryland, oh, baby. Maryland. Right around Maryland. <laughs> hey, hey, right around that college park, Maryland, Baltimore. Hey, hey, crab cakes and football. That's what we do here, pal. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I didn't know what was going to happen with DeAndre Banks. He was coming off a shoulder injury. Kid from Baltimore, okay, high school in Baltimore. I didn't know. Okay, Bennett's there, you know, the other corner. And here's Banks coming off the shoulder. He had played as a true freshman. And look good. And here's a kid with length, athletic ability, ball skills. That guy can break up passes. He's got anticipation. He's got awareness. And he's got fire and passion. Loves the game. Coaches love DeAndre Banks from Maryland. Here's a kid about 6'2", what about 205. We talk about length, athleticism, can do all that. Was only, what, a three-star recruit coming out of it. But DeAndre Banks is a kid who, when you watch him play this year, I was surprised. Like DeAndre Banks had, what, eight or nine pass breakups a pick. Like I say, the length he has, I want to see Deontay Banks and how fast he is. There's talk he could be maybe 4-3-8 to 4-4-5 in that area. We'll see. I know he plays and his recovery ability shows that he can get it done at a high level. If he drops into the second round, he's going to be a steal. You can go to the bank on Deontay Banks. He will be a heck of a player. Todd. I think he's worthy of being in the top 25 overall on the big board. That's where he is right now for me. I think you'll be on that bandwagon as we move forward, especially if he runs like some think he can. And I think the combine for Deontay Banks is going to be really important. Yeah, we have a lot of really good corners in this class, and we also have a lot of great pass rushers, three, four guys, four, three ends, guys that can play outside and reduce inside. And one player that I was, I was intrigued to see if he was going to wind up in this year's draft class or go back to school was Lucas Van Ness from yeah. Iowa, defensive lineman. This, this guy, he's young. He's just learning. But it's 6'5", 275 pounds. The flashes are brilliant. It's so much fun to watch. Ten and a half tackles for loss, six sacks this past season. And I think he's just scratching the surface. 
you look at how you're coached at Iowa, all these defensive linemen come in the league and they have great hand usage. And I think he has that, but I think he's going to continue to get better. The length that he has, the explosive burst, and the way he finishes is special to me. I think Lucas Van Ness, who watched Iowa football this year, right? I mean, they struggled all year. They couldn't score points. It was painful to watch. But Van Ness was the shining star on that defense for Iowa. They kept them in every single game, it felt like. And I think he's going to be a top 20, top 25 pick. Because, listen, outside of quarterback, we've talked about quarterback, then pass rusher, then wide receiver. Those are the top three positions. If you can get a pass rusher who's going to continue to get better and you can develop him, I think Van Ness is, is a top 25 pick because of his upside and potential. Yeah, defense with Phil Parker, Todd. I'm with you on Van Ness. I mean, you were right on it. You, you jumped in there you know, too quick for me. You were, I think you were like four days ahead. Van Ness was impressive. And Jack Campbell was impressive. <laughs> Finally. And, and there's a kid. You'll be, you'll, I'll give you this kid. You'll, you'll have your list for next year. You'll be in your way too early, Mike. But Cooper DeJean, DeJean, too. That kid, number three, heck of a player mm-hmm. in that secondary. Riley Moss, 33. We knew all about him. Riley Phil Moss, Parker, yeah. He coordinates that defense. But, yeah, but that, that kid, uh, 91, is a player to watch because the best football is ahead and uh, I think a lot of teams are looking for that kind of guy everybody's looking for that kind of guy and we saw what Naden Hutchinson meant to the Detroit Lions Lucas Van Ness to me is going to be a first rounder high how high up will be determined over the next three months I think you could see this kid climb maybe into that top 15 and by the way we're seeing I know that this show has always meant a lot to the two of you and certainly me and everybody who I think is a loyal listener but if you're kind of new to first draft think about just how transformational one Draft class can be for a franchise. The Seattle Seahawks a year ago were in football yeah. purgatory, we thought. Now they had arguably the best draft class in the entire NFL. They've got a lockdown cornerback in the fifth round. They've got two blue chip tackles. They're going to protect Geno Smith or whoever is the quarterback long term in Seattle. Kenneth Walker was a quote unquote reach, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's maybe the rookie of the year on offense in the NFL. This stuff matters. Not every year there's going to be a draft class quite like that, but it's been one of the best in recent years, and there is nobody better than Mel and Todd to educate you on the names that could help your franchise be the one that has that transformational draft class for itself in 2023. I can't wait to be back next week. I don't have to wait nine months to talk to you guys again. So this is awesome news. Uh, But for Mel and Todd, I'm Field. We're back next Wednesday. Again, audio version out for anybody who wants to listen to that to listen to the podcast that way. If you want to watch us, 1 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter, YouTube, and all of ESPN's digital channels. Gentlemen, I'll talk to you in a week. Thanks, bud.